Hey, it's Kathy with Rocky Retirement. And as promised, today's Friday, and so you'll be getting to listen to Henry Shapiro's Retired Excited. I know you're just going to love this as much as I do. And don't forget, you can still listen to Rock Your Retirement, where I'm the host, and those shows are released on Mondays. Welcome to the Retired Excited Podcast. Retired Excited, the show where we give retired and want-to-be-retired folk a look at how great retired life can be. Here we talk to men and women who are happily retired and loving their life. We explore the techniques, activities, beliefs, and excitement of these happy retirees and examine how every Tom, Dick, and Mary can benefit from their experience. Together, we will delve into what retired happiness really looks like and how anyone can achieve it. Here is your host, Henry Shapiro. Hey folks, Henry here at Retired Excited, the show providing inspiration for people who are nearly retired, newly retired, or say they're never going to retire. If you're nearing retirement and fearful of what lies ahead, you don't need to be. If you're already retired and wondering how to fill your days, then this show is exactly for you. Here we talk to retired people doing things that make them happy. Things from stamp collecting to cruising, from dancing to touring the world on a motorbike. There's an exciting stage of life to be enjoyed after full-time work and it's got nothing to do with your financial situation or social position. We talk to everyday retired people who are living the life they want and we talk to a few professionals to get expert advice. And I chip in with some of my own experiences. Hey everybody, here we are at Retired Excited, episode number 14. Golly, don't the, the weeks go by, don't they? Lots of people want to do crazy things in their life and to, to challenge themselves. Des rides motorbikes. He rides motorbikes a long, long way. He's a member of the Far Riders and Iron Butt Association. That's at Iron Butt, as in very strong backside. Now, the objective of those two organizations is to ride a long way in a certain time. So, for instance, one of their challenges might be to ride a thousand kilometers in 24 hours. Another one, and more, this is more appropriate overseas, is a thousand miles in 24 hours. If you convert that back to kilometers, that's 1600 kilometers. That's a long way to go in just a day. And that's what they do. But that's not all they do. They have multiple day challenges, all sorts of challenges. Des talks about what he's done and why he does it, the sort of challenges he's taken on, how successful he's been, how he prepares for those rides. And They take a fair bit out of your body, and you have to be mentally prepared for them as well. So he talks about all that. He talks about the preparation. He talks about the logistics, how how you get organized, how you arrange the rides, how you work out the route that you're going to take on the rides, and the places that he's been, the places and the people that he's met. I half think that the people he's met is a good part of the story. Let's have Des tell us all about it. Here we go. Hi there, Des. How are you? Morning, Henry. How are you? I'm extremely well. Des, we're going to talk about bikes, but what this is really all about is what people do 
when they are coming up to retirement. And some people don't know, uh, they haven't planned for their retirement. They don't quite know what they're going to do. So let's just talk about that first. What were you doing before you retired? Immediately before I retired, uh, I had to take away a food shop, a milk bar, Mm -hmm. uh, working around about 100 to 125 hours a week, seven days a week job. Uh, Must have paid well. Paid very well. (laughs) (laughs) And we were planning uh, caravanning when we retired, Mm -hmm. which was probably going to be another 10 years away. And that was sort of our plan. We'll travel around Australia in a caravan. Um, unfortunately, I, I got a little bit ill, so we brought the retirement forward a little bit. And uh, we brought a caravan, and away we went. Uh, we travelled around so, Australia right. for five months. <laughs> enjoy it? <Yeah. laughs> Loved it, actually. And we do a lot of caravanning. I right. really enjoy it. We probably do five months of the year in the caravan, and the rest is at home and trying to get out on the motorbike where right. possible. Yeah. Um, so uh, hmm. so yeah. You're, in, you're in the shop. Mm-hmm. You're thinking to yourself, I'm going to retire soon. And when I give it away, I'm going to go in, away on the caravan. And that's what really happened. And that's what really happened. We wanted to go. I've travelled a, a lot, motorbike, etc., mm-hmm. and different parts of Australia, cars, motelled it, pubbed it, done right. all that. Travelled a lot in Australia. Yeah. But we wanted to take our time. Yep. So the caravan option was good. Brought a big van, uh, a ute to tow it. And uh, and away we went, and we stopped at a lot of places more than a night. (laughs) We free camped a lot, which is camping on sides of river, free camps on the side of the road, places like that. What is it about caravanning that you like? The people that you meet, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's amazing how many people you meet that actually know someone that you know from your area. That always amazed me. In Broome, you meet someone that... I live up the road from you, mate. <laughs> so, so we, I normally start and ask people this, where are we? Where, where, when you say up the road, where are we doing this interview? Uh, we're in Berwick. Okay. We're in Berwick. Yes. We're in Des's house in Berwick? In Berwick, yes. And his moment. wife has scarped off into the other room so that she doesn't interrupt it doesn't, because she's... Doesn't, a, doesn't <laughs> correct the dates. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ruin my stories. That's um, right. Yeah, so we've, we've, uh, you know, we've hooked up planning to spend a good 12 months in the caravan uh, traveling around Australia, doing doing the big lap, mm-hmm. you know, dropping off and visiting people that we know because we have family in every every capital city. We have a family, okay. and uh, and when and we did, and we got down to uh, Cheryl's brother in uh, Durian Bay, which is in between Perth and Geraldton, and then my sister got very ill in hospital, cancer. The message was sent back home, okay. so yeah. hooked it all up straight across the Nullarbor in the dark, get back as quick as I could. Can I ask, when you retired, how old were you? When you, when 50, you sold the shop, let's say. 58, 59. So that's, yeah. Yes, quite, as I say, we planned another, we planned to be 10 years. Yeah. And uh, and I got ill and I was in hospital for over two weeks. Right. You get a lot of time to think line on your back looking at the ceiling and you can only ogle the nurses for so long. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> then they slap your face. <laughs> um, and I lied there thinking, I thought, well, we have a holiday house Yep. Uh, in Lake Entrance, mm-hmm. we didn't really use it. We rented it out. Um, we own our house. We own our cars. We own the caravan. Own the motorbike, the Goldwing. I'm not going to work these hours, die, and leave the kids all my money. No. <laughs> they can get it like I did. Yes. Uh, yes so yes. I said to the wife, I got out of hospital. I come home, and I said, we we will we will sell everything. 
Before we started this interview, I was talking to Des and he was telling me that he's done a bunch of things in his early life and most of them were hard physical work. So between that and then 120 hours in the shop a week, uh, that's enough, isn't it? That was yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah, well, coming off a, a dairy farm, Henry, and, and you being a farmer yeah. would know, you put a lot of hours in. Yeah. Uh, people that, I call them city people, as I mm. call them, nine to fivers, yeah. that do not understand yeah. the man on the land. They don't know what he goes through. Yeah. Uh, it's a very hard life, but it's a very rewarding life. Um, you work till the light gives out. That's that's, well, what that's right. On the farm. Sun up to sundown. <laughs> every morning from our cow shed, we've seen the sun come up, yes. Dad and I, and we'd be looking out there every morning and say, what a wonderful life. <laughs> and it was. It was terrific. So, Well, yeah. let's, let's transition then into motorbikes. What started you with the motorbikes? Motorbikes I started when I was quite young. Uh, my father tried to teach me how to ride a horse. He was a horseman. And uh, you can probably edit this little bit out. He said, as long as your ass points to the ground, you'll never be able to ride a horse. <laughs> so I got onto trail bikes because my mates, a couple of them had yeah. bikes. I'd, I'd be 15. And I thought, this is all right. And... Uh, just stayed away from for a while because I had a car and done that normal stuff that young blokes in the country do. And then another mate brought a, a bike. He didn't know how to get it going. I was a little bit more mechanically minded than him. So we played with it and we took turns of sitting on it and getting pushed. When it fired up, I was on it. Yes. <laughs> it was a straight road of about four kilometres long. So away I went and I thought, I don't know how to stop it. I, I knew how to stop it, but I don't, how am I going to turn this thing around and keep it going? After a while, I sort of worked it out, and I come back and said, this is fun. I went out and bought one the very next day. Fantastic. And that got me into bikes pretty much when I was up I've got a very similar story. I was uh, had a mate, uh, what was I? I was, I was in fifth form, and I don't know how he got, got an old BSA, mm-hmm. and he had a very steep drive. So we're pushing this thing up the drive, and then one of us would sit on it and push it down the drive, and there was a fibro garage at the bottom of the drive. Well, I happened to fire while I was sitting on it, <laughs> straight, straight, through the back, it. Oh. straight through the back of the fire broker. It can happen. Yes, it can happen. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've had many a close call on a bike, and some of my mates have had some real rippers. Yes. Yeah. No, no, I think. So yeah. you're riding bikes in your early days, mm-hmm. and but now you're on a road bike. I'm on a, on I, I transitioned road. to a road bike fairly quick. I um, I rode the dirt bike, the, the first fellow, which was a 185 Kawasaki, mm-hmm. And I rode it around the bush tracks of local, learnt a little bit about riding a bike, throwing it around, running off the road into the scrub, etc., going too fast. And I thought, I'm forever cleaning it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a road bike. An opportunity come up where uh, another mate had a chainsaw accident, chopped off about three of his fingers. Oh. And he'd only just brought a brand new 350 Honda. And uh, he put the deposit on it, made a couple of payments. So after a little bit of negotiation, you took I, it over. I took it over. Mm. So I had my first road bike. Okay. And I've stuck with road bikes ever since. Yeah. Mm. Now, you've got a monster road bike at the moment. I, I have. How long have you had that? I've had this particular one for about... Counting on his fingers. He's counting on his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in 2011, this particular one I have now, mm-hmm. uh, which is a 2006 Goldwing with 5,000 kilometres on it. Just just tell the listeners what a Goldwing is. All right. It's a, it's a Honda Goldwing, a GL1800. Uh, which is a 1.8 litre six-cylinder, a flat six. That's bigger uh, than some cars. It's bigger than some cars. Uh, it has reverse gear. It has a six-stack of CD, uh, cruise control. It's a very comfortable motorbike. <laughs> it's, a very com- it's very good for riding, and it's quiet. It doesn't make any noise. Unlike some bikes we could mention. Yes, okay. we, won't go, we don't even go there. No, no. Um, <laughs> yes, and, and that's the third Goldwing that I've actually owned. I previously brought one as a wreck. 
Mm-hmm. And in my spare time, uh, me and a, and a mate, uh, he done most of the work, I have to say, yeah, yes. repaired it all. Um, because so, I was working so much, I never rode it, so I sold it. What is it about the Goldwings that you like? Comfortable, um, very good touring bike, and and I wanted to get into touring. Uh, right. Very, I mean, you could tour on anything. I've seen people tour on 125s. Mm-hmm. Fine, if, if that's what they want to do, but I'm lazy. So <laughs> I wanted something comfortable that I could sit on all day. Put all is my it? gear on the bike. It's got panties. You carry a lot of luggage if you want. Um, I have, if you'll probably ask me later, but I, I, I rode for 20 days, 17 days actually. I was away from home for 20 days and I'd done 20,000 kilometres. Goodness, mate. So every day I rode. Um, starting roughly 3.30 in the morning, and uh, I took food on the bike, I took everything I needed, and I lived off the bike for 20 days. I went around Australia. That's the aspect that I wanted to talk to you about, and that's uh, what I had in mind as a, uh, the object of this interview. Mm-hmm. I've heard the words far rider and I've heard the words iron butt. Just explain what that is. Well, the Iron Butt Association is an American uh, long-distance riding club. As in sore backside. Very, yes, yes, sore backside, yes, yeah. iron butt. Um, and over there they do uh, huge, big, big, big rides, and they do a rally over there every two years. It's 11,000 miles in 11 days. Whoa. So that's a big, and they do it. There's a lot of people do it, but you've got to be selected to do it. You have to apply for it. But that's be, like 1,600 kilometres a, a day. day. Exactly, 1,600 a day. You do that for 11 days. Yeah. Whew. yeah. Um, not something I, I, I've had a crack at. Uh, but what you've done is a thousand kilometres a day for seventeen, 17 days. days. Yes, so it's like a marathon. A I mean, it's, it's well, like... it was, and it took me some years to plan it. Yeah. The previous year, I had a warm up, which was uh, I went in ten days. I done ten thousand, which was every state and and uh, territory border. Right. So I did the you know, Western Australia, South Australia. I went up to Catherine, across to Kununurra, and back in one day because that's where the Western Australia Northern Territory border is. Yeah. And, and I went around, and I'd done all the borders. I'd done that in 10 days. I'd done it quite, quite comfortably. And I thought, yeah, okay, well, I can do this other one, which was based around going to capital city GPOs. Right. And So you actually had to ride into the cities? Well, I had to ride into every city, yes, and ride out, of course. That's not fun. <laughs> no, some of them weren't fun. Fortunately, some other people in the Far Riding Club, which is the Australian... It's sort of the Australian version of the Iron Butt, but well, I don't know version, but it's a, it's an arm of it type mm-hmm. of thing. We do similar things. Yes. Um, they have the bigger rides, give certified rides. You have to have witnesses to say you've done all this. You have um, forms have to be signed, witnesses, um, fuel dockets to say what time you started, where you started, etc. what time you finished, where you finished. has to be signed. You send all the paperwork off to America. They send you a certificate, which I've got some hanging up in the wall in the office. Right. And uh, so it's all, you can't cheat. If someone says, I've done 2,024 hours, and someone else say, yeah, that's impossible. Well, it's not. Right. <laughs> I've done a few, and it's not. It's very well planned. Just what do you mean about the, the fuel dockets? What's that story well, about? When you, when you start, your 24 hours start when you get your first fuel docket. Right. So you do everything. You get signatures on your on your form. So it's half past three in the morning. Yep, half past three. You find yourself a, a petrol station. station. Yep. That's the start of your 24 hours. Whatever time it says on there, check it to make sure it's correct because some panel operators sometimes can be a little out. They can even be a day out. Um, so you check that to make sure it's right and away you go. And you don't speed. I will stress that. You do not speed. People that have come with me know that you don't speed. Okay, why don't you speed? 
Well, you get booked. <laughs> you don't want to lose your license be every day. No, you don't want to get... Um, because it's all about, uh, as all motorbikes are, is risk management. Yes. So um, you, this time, you, the risk management is your time, your, your body, your mind, that all comes into it. Because 24 hours is a long time to stay awake. And in that 24 hours, most people do 2,000 kilometres in 22 hours that ride these bikes. That's pretty normal, about 22, 23 hours. Wow. That's about normal. It's nothing to do with speeding. Mm-hmm. You can work out the averages. You only got to punch in 1,600 kilometres by 24 hours. That's 68 kilometres an hour average. Right. Obviously, you, you sit on your pick roads that you can sit on speed limit. But if you're, let's say you're, uh, you think, well, I want to do this easy, I'll go into the outback of uh, the Northern Territory. You got long straight roads. Well, I shouldn't say the Northern Territory because they've got an open speed limit. But part of it has, yes. 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 Um, I ride a bike. It's very tempting to just let it creep twist, up a little bit, twist the throttle. Um, well, I, I, and this can be checked quite easily. There's a fella in the far riding club in, in that, that I know. He's actually done uh, three thousand kilometres in twenty four hours. Done it in the Northern Territory. Started yeah. at Camelwheel and went up the three ways. Alice Springs, maybe Catherine, and then back to Campbell. I just forget the exact. Yeah. It's all documented. It's all written. He wrote a story. Um, he'd done it in 23 hours and, and something. 23 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a lot of time spare. He planned it over months. He went up and seen the service stations, told them what he was doing and how he would come in with a $100 note in his hand and they would have their change ready when he walked in the door. But he was doing, he was filling his motorbike up in six minutes and he was out. Yeah. And this is where this is all the management comes in. You see the yeah, plan. Yeah, so it's a whole yes, uh, it's tactical sort of exercise. The less time you're off your bike, the more time you're sitting on a speed limit, the more you get done. What does it do to your body? Yes, uh, if you're not used to doing it, uh, it's pretty hard on your body at times. Uh, I, I exercise on the bike, and I go along and throw my legs around and move my arms and jump up and down and do squats and things on the bike while I'm doing. So your exercise, I do, it's around about, I do it once an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, so it takes about 10 minutes to go through it just to keep the circulation going. Um, sometimes you can So you've got a regular routine that I have do. a regular routine I do when I do bike riding. Yeah. You hydrate, you have a camel, camel back. Camel back, yeah. Um, and you do hydrate, that's, that's a big thing. Hydration is very, very important. And you eat different foods. You don't pull up the servo and chow down on a couple of meat pies. Out of the question, as much as I like to. <laughs> um, I actually, when I'd done these 17 days, I went to a nutritionist and I'd done some 24-hour rides with what I told her what time I was starting, what time I would stop for breaks, etc. And she put me on certain foods to be eaten certain times of the day. And I think over an 18-month period, I'd done four or five 24-hour rides, and I had a little digital recorder Velcro to the dash of the bike. Every hour and a half I had to talk into it to tell her how I was feeling, okay. and I'd go back and play it back to her, and she'd change my food around. And uh, it was a very serious this thing is, that I'd done. This is yes. serious, isn't it? And uh, yeah. to find out what's good for me because it's different for other people. Uh, Gatorade, um, them sort of drinks. She'd said not to have Gatorade. I buy the powder, and I mix my own but I only need one bottle in 24 hours unless it's really, really hot and I'm doing something physical. This is to get the salts into you. It's to get the electrolytes into yeah. your body. So she said one bottle in 24 hours. So you, you can drink a, a fair few litres of water, mm-hmm. uh, your camelback, when I was having something to eat. Um, it was like a couple of mouthfuls, chomp, chomp, a couple of mouthfuls. 
back in the top box, go. So, yeah, it was very well planned. It took me some years to plan all this. Has there been any incidents when you've been on these rides? <laughs> yeah, I've had one incident. Uh, I'm fortunate that if I feel a little tired, I can pull over, put my head down and have a 10-minute nanny nap, and I can go out in 10 minutes, bang, gone. One day uh, it was dark and I pulled over and I went past the first. I seen the sign, you know, the little table and all that. So mm-hmm. that's where I'll go. I missed the first turn. I went got into the second turn. Come back, put my head down. I woke up, you know, I probably had looked at the thing 10, 15 minutes, jumped on the bike and roared off. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at a few things on the side of the road. I thought, yeah, I've seen these before. And I'd done five Ks before I realised I was going in the wrong direction. Gone, gone back. So another Yui <laughs> and away I, again, away I went again. You have... Um, if you get fatigue, which is a very serious problem doing these things, you have to know your own body a little bit. You have to be a little crazy. That's fair to say. You know, I've, there's some people who do a lot bigger rides than I've ever done, and they are a little unusual when you talk to them. So you have unusual. to be unusual. Uh, you have to be a little, a little out of kilter at times, I think. Um, and you have to enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's you're on your own. And a lot of a lot of people that ride motorbikes, when you get you know sixty year old plus, will say that it's um it's good for their mind. It is quite relaxing to get out. And my missus can't hear me at the moment, but it stops them nagging in your ear about something that should be done at home. <laughs> I hope she's not at the door. Anyway, uh, there's all that that sort of stuff. Incidents I've had, yeah, you probably have to edit some of this too. Um, it wasn't on a, on a far ride or an IBA ride. Um, I was up visiting my uh, my sister and brother-in-law in Brisbane and uh, we had a party the night before I left, which was pretty normal. There was always something going on. So we called it a pizza and port party just for the sake of an argument. And I'm up at 3 o'clock, up past 3 in the morning. It's pretty normal. And away I go. And I got out the highway a little bit and um, oh, how, how am I going to put this? I, I wanted to uh, let some wind go. <laughs> <laughs> so I just lifted my, my bum off the seat a little bit as you do when you ride a motorbike, and uh, if you, you know about it, and uh, had a bit of follow through, <laughs> and she was pretty runny. And I thought, oh boy, you want to try and pull up a motorbike <laughs> with all that in your pants and uh, jump off the bike and pull them down, get your boots off, and it's running down your leg, and uh, get in the grass and cleaning everything. <laughs> yeah, cars going fast, going beep 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 beep. Yeah, right, oh, mate, I know. Uh, Fortunately, I had to change of clothes, so found a plastic bag and got the dirty clothes in the bag. So Gotcha. That, that I, was, I did mean to ask you about uh, toilet things, but yeah, that's, thank you yeah, very that's much. Yeah, that's the one-on-one. I'll, one. so I'll now, probably never um, forget that. I've got the image in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I thought, as you can visualise it, <laughs> yes. it's very hard to get off a bike without sitting down first. Yes. But anyway, we, uh, yes. we got around that, and I laughed about I've laughed about that for a lot of years. I just, <laughs> so now I'm... Very distrustful of that uh, that particular bowel movement <laughs> when I'm riding a motorbike. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's one. I've gone the wrong direction. Yeah, so I've, I've been because you plan these rides pretty good. Mm-hmm. You start planning. You know you're going to do a ride. You change your eating, drinking habits days before you go. Okay. Um, I, I and having said that, which I nearly always do, and I have led a few people on these rides. I've said you want to do an IBA ride. Well, I, was going to ask, I was going to ask you that. Do you go in convoy with, uh, not convoy, but go, a you couple tend, of you go together or three? Yes, we. I have done that. Uh, generally, you do it on your own mm-hmm. because you don't get held up at service stations. Um, 
you just get in, you go on. Go on. Yeah. Uh, so generally you go on your own. It's more efficient to go on your own. But when you get someone that rides with you that knows what it's about, um, you can do it as quick. Uh, I've done one in January where four of us and uh, – and it was no no problem at all. I said, you know, when you get to a service station, you fill up, just move forward if there's not enough powers. I said, the next person, well, you're paying, he's filling up. And you allow 15 minutes and okay. we do it easy. And the next stop, we're going to have a break. We'll have something to eat, whatever. So how how far can you go on one tank? I can oh, I can do shade over 400, but I plan 350. Mm-hmm. Um, all my stops, I go tank to tank. And so it's yeah, you know, three forty, three fifty, three sixty, maybe three seventy. I will have it planned on a on a running. So that dictates uh, your route in some respects. You've got to find a, yes, a route you, where you can get you to. You have to, yeah. And yeah. if you have to get what they call a corner docket, which means you know you've gone up this road and come back this road, but if you're in a hurry, you could take a shortcut across. Well, you have to stop to get a receipt of some sort. It doesn't have to be fuel. It mm-hmm. Can be from a bank machine to say you went to that town, so that when you send your paperwork in, the blue line. Yeah, shows where you like went. see where you really went. Yeah, so you, you can't cheat. Um, I don't so, know. There's no way you can cheat on it. What's the attraction of it to you? Why would you uh, do it? <laughs> that's a very good question. I, I, I've enjoyed long-distance driving in a car, mm-hmm. uh, riding a motorbike, uh, even on a push bike when I was younger. I used to ride it was 10 miles, it was, and it was a big hill at the end of that 10 miles. And uh, the attraction there was, once you get to the top, you turn around, freewheel all the way home. Well, not all the way home, but down the yes. hill, which was about was about a mile and a half, I think, the hill. Um, do you see anything? Yeah, of course you do. You just see twice as much. <laughs> um, some people say, well, yeah, you don't see anything. Of course you do. You see just as much as if you were doing 300 kilometres in a day. You see the same things. I'll tell you what I love is you're going through farming country, particularly dairy farming country. The smell. And the smell of the silage. Love. Oh, I love silage. Love oh, the smell yes. of the silage. City people don't understand that. It's going back to the difference. Yeah. You're right. Not just the silage, but the smell of everything. The early morning yeah. as the sun rises, the smell of the, the gum trees, the smell of someone's cutting hay in a paddock. Even if you're driving out, someone's mowed the lawn the day before, you can smell new, fresh-cut grass. Yes. You don't smell that in a car. That's right. You can yes. smell... The animals, and I'll tell you what, there's a really terrible smell. Let's see, um, it smells like like a dead animal. It's um, oh, the one with the yellow flower. I can't think what the crop's called now. Um, but canola. 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 Yeah. Mm. When it's ready to be ripe, I believe, it has a smell about it. Right. It stinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see a paddock of yellow, fortunately I'm not going down that road. Um, it does stink. But the, the smell's in the air, and you know, it's all, you know, freedom. You hear that all the time, which it is. Um and, but and, you've got the wind, you've got the smell, you've got the, it's, yeah, uh, you're, you're close the, to nature, aren't you? You're very close to nature out there. Yeah. You, and you Especially see, if you come off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see a lot more things than, than you do in a car. And I think people that ride motorbikes are better car drivers. That's, of course, if they're a fair motorbike driver, <laughs> rider. Um, you see a lot more things than, than what people believe you see. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, is, is it something... I guess really to do the sort of riding you're doing, the long distance riding, you have had to be riding a motorbike for a long time. That's mm-hmm. he's nodding, folks. Um, <laughs> just generally riding a bike is it something you'd recommend to people? I, I do. I recommend. I also recommend that it's dangerous. Yes. Have no mistake. Riding a motorbike is dangerous because sometimes I think we're invisible. Yeah. Uh, you have to be very, very aware of your surroundings. 
And it's not always the car driver's fault when people have motorbike accidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, bikes are very quick from A to B. You can twist a throttle and you can leapfrog a couple of cars very, very fast, especially on the powerful sports bikes. Mm. Someone can look in their mirror and say, there's a motorbike three cars back. He can watch the car in front of him, look up again, where'd that bike go? He's beside him. And the people that ride bikes have got to understand that. And then that way they protect themselves. It's a very, you have to ride quite defensively in traffic. Uh, Out in the highways, it's, it's a little different. In Victoria, where we are, there's just been an amazing number of motorcycle uh, deaths yes. this year. Much more, much I more think than. I think we're up to the total for the year. Twenty-eight. Yes, that's very bad. It's it's very bad. But there's been statistics in the papers. Uh, whose fault was it? Was the bike? Was it chance? And uh, yeah, for a good. And so people many... always say to people in cages, motorbike yeah. people call car people Cage. ca- cages. Yep. But uh, a good number of them are the bikey's fault. Oh, yes, I, I, and some of them don't have a licence. I think there's a very high rate of them don't yeah. have licences. And I think you, know, you and I, being roughly the same age, we grew up in very underpowered bikes yes. compared to what you can get on now. Um, they, in our, our era, they were the norm to have a, you know, a 250, yeah. something like which went hard, yeah. but you know, then you went to a 350, and now everyone's got 600s, and they're, they're rocket ships. Yeah. You get, I've, I've ridden one on. Good fun to ride, but by gee, they get up and go, and they stop quite well too. Yes, especially if you hit something. But um, yeah, I think, and I think we've had that that education, and I was fortunate enough to keep riding, even when I didn't have a motorbike. When I, as normal, you have bikes, you get married, and have kids, mm. you sell your bike to buy the the baby's clothes. <laughs> Did that, <laughs> and therefore you're off the bike. And I was for a good many years, but I had mates that had bikes. And they're kind enough to let me ride their bike whenever I felt like I wanted to go away for the day, get on the bike and ride. Mainly because when they got the bike back, it had a full tank of fuel and it was always washed. <laughs> I was always clean. They're quite happy and, and I looked after their bikes. So I continued my riding constantly since I was, we'll just say from nine. It's just say when I got my license, I constantly rode motorbike. Mm. So you're highly experienced. And now I've got to say that riding my has made, made me a much more cautious car driver. Well, you're more aware. You're more aware. You see, you see things on a bike that you don't see in the car. Mm. Now, when you get in a car, you transfer that over, and 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 your your vision, your peripheral vision, it seems to be greater because you use it on a bike. (laughs) On a car, you tend to be tunnel vision. Yeah, you're looking at the windscreen. That's about it. That's about it. So you transfer that over, and you know what to look for. You know the different bikes. and, you know, you look at a bike and you say, there's a couple of Harley riders coming because they're distinctive. They look all the same because yes. they're individuals. And uh, you can edit that out so you don't get an <laughs> argument. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, you can see, you know, people riding a posty bike, different yes. again. So, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, scooters, they all look different, but you know what to look for and you know what they are. Not to do with bikes, but mm-hmm. uh, just generally in life. As people are coming up towards retirement and they think, well, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to... I'm going to be bored. I don't know. What's your advice to them? What, well, what would you I, say to people coming I, up to I retirement? never thought too much about retirement until mm. I, I got a bit sick. And uh, I can remember I worked with my dad on the farm for, for a good many years, and he was always going to travel around Australia mm-hmm. when he retired. Unfortunately, he died when he was only 47, so he never, never got to retirement age. And I always thought, well, I'm not going to die young like him. What am I going to do when I retire? Am I going to have a – I enjoy gardening. Am I going to have a great garden at home? Am I going to rebuild old motorbikes? Uh, no, I'm not going to build old motorbikes. I'll fiddle around in the garden. I'm going to – to me, a motorbike, you've got to ride it. 
So I discussed it with my wife, and uh, she likes caravanning. So that was sort of we talked about it a bit. And um, so you're, I think I'm gathering from what you're saying is to think about it before you retire. Have a plan that your that, your wife and you both agree both on. Both agree it, on. It, it yes. might be. And I'd, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. My wife likes to cruise. We've only been on one cruise. Not quite my cup of tea. But, <laughs> but you'll go for the sake of an argument. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but you discuss it with your wife and have something in mind. I think that's what you're saying. Yes. You, you, you have to, you certainly have to, you know, your partner, you have to discuss it. You can't be selfish. Said that motorbike riding is very selfish. Yes. Uh, I, I've said that for many years. I tell my wife, it's a very selfish hobby that I have. Because although she come with me for years, we went camping and everything, but she doesn't come so much. It is a selfish pastime because I'm off, I'm going on my own. I just ring up at night time, tell her where I am. Mm. And it's got a bit like photography. If people get into photography, they go off and they're in their own little world. Mm-hmm. They don't talk to anyone. They're taking photos. That's another selfish pastime, but that's another subject. And um, so you talk about cruises. My wife went on a cruise. I didn't go with her. My sister went with her. I said, oh, yeah, you've got to fly in aeroplanes, and aeroplanes are dangerous. Things. You hear about them crashing and all that. I, I don't want to go on an aeroplane. Anyway, she went to New Zealand for a fortnight, and they loved it. So she come back, and she's talked me into going on a cruise. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> We're going it's to, a girl thing, I'm sure. I think it is a girl thing, but... We, she just talked and she said, you know, I'd like you to go on one. And I said, well, look, I'll, I'll have a crack at it. Yeah, I've have got to say, at... when I got back, I, I did quite enjoy it. It was, <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> well, I, our cruise is going to leave Melbourne. It's going to go to Port Lincoln mm-hmm. and it's going to come back to Melbourne. Okay. Adelaide, Kangaroo, Kangaroo Island is what sold me because we wanted to go to Kangaroo Island. It's quite an expensive place to go to. We want to go to Kangaroo Island. She says, here's a cruise that's going to stop there. Okay. Give it a Let's whirl. Let's do it. So yeah. it's in December. Yeah. We're booked. So here we go. There you go. That sounds like a so, good place to, uh, to wind this up. So can I thank you very much? I think you've given people uh, a lot to think about. I, certainly I think that distance riding is not for people not, who have just, just come into motorcycling. No, definitely um, not. But for, if you've been riding a bike through your life uh, and you've got a bit of experience, well, as you said, plan, plan, plan. Do a few test rides, and you yeah. can really enjoy it. You, you can, and plan, plan, plan is you plan the ride, yeah. you ride the plan, yes. and, and it will turn out. Yes, time be, management is a, is is a the very game. important thing. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thank you, Henry. No problems. Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it, that long-distance riding, like the sort of riding that Des does, is not for everybody. It's not even for every motorcyclist. You certainly couldn't be doing this if you're a new rider or inexperienced. But if you've been riding for a whole life the way Des has, this might be something that creates a new challenge for you. You might think to yourself, well, why do people do stuff like this? Oh, well, people climb mountains, don't they? And they run marathons. They do all sorts of activities. And there's very few of those activities that are suitable for people, let's say, who are getting on in life, who are a little bit older, seniors. And that's one of the attractions, I think, of uh, long-distance riding. You can do it. There's... Um, let's just put it this way, he's over 60. I reckon the important part about what he's doing, and for anybody, is that he's living his life. He's not just existing, he's actually making something out of his life, even uh, within his retirement. He's not just sitting around singing mournful songs while 
watching his kids book a place in a nursing home for him. He's out there doing stuff. And not only just doing stuff, but he's creating stories, stories for himself, stories for his grandchildren. Do you challenge yourself? Not very many people in their retirement actually challenge themselves. Uh, They don't do new stuff. They don't keep abreast with technology, let's say. That's what keeps us alive. Keep stretching your mind. Keep doing things. If you do challenge yourself, either physically or mentally, how about telling us about it in the box on the website? Just go to the website, episode number 14, retiredexcited.com. Find the podcast uh, tag in the menu. Go to episode 14 and tell us about what you do to challenge yourself and keep your brain active, keep your body active. All the other listeners would love to hear about it. So that's it for today. Contact me if you want to directly, henry at retiredexcited.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Keep well, keep happy. See you next time. I want to give that a go for sure. Um, Ian Roberts was terrific. It was interesting. What a good idea. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone 
by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, Actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, We actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye!